Hello, and welcome to Unlock Your Vitality with Magali on a Journey. I'm your host, Magali Matthew. Here we cover all things vitality, that is living full of energy. From gut health to spirituality, nutrition to movement, we peel back the layers and unlock ways to heal and feel our best selves, one conscious habit at a time. Stick around, let's dive on in. I'm so excited you're here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the show. I'm so excited about this week's guest. We have my dearest Sarah Broyles, who's a certified yoga instructor, a distance runner, a writer, a communications consultant. She's a Bay Area native who now calls LA home. Sarah's passionate about all things wellness and fitness and helping herself and others find balance. She's also a very dear friend. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Hi, Magali. So good to be here. Thank you for having me. So excited to have this chat. Um, So I want to start a little bit about how we know each other. We have had like similar uh, journeys in terms of like fitness and yoga, and we'll get into that. Um, But we originally met at a Lululemon event 2016. Was it 2016? I think so. Right? Um, where we were there with, um, my old company, Atlas Go. Um, and yeah, that's how we like got together, started running in a running group and then became friends ever since. Yeah. I remember that day pretty clearly. I was going to Lululemon, um, over on Grant Avenue in San Francisco, um, after work one day for their weekly run club and you guys were tabling. And you said, hey, join my mm-hmm. platform every mile you run. There's some money that gets unlocked and donated to charity. I was like, that's wonderful. Let's do it. That's a very easy thing to do um, and such a great cause. So I immediately loved what you guys were doing and obviously loved you and, and thought you were so sweet. <laughs> so yeah, I'm so glad that Lulu and Atlas Go brought us together. <laughs> Yes, me too. So grateful for that. Um, So for those of you who don't know you, the listeners out there, tell us a little bit about your background, who you are and what has brought you to being, yeah, what you're up to today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So uh, as you mentioned, I'm a runner, a yoga instructor, and I do PR and communications consulting um, for technology companies. I've been running since 2015. Um, and have been doing yoga for about that long as well, and really just have fallen in love with both practices. Um, I think you might be able to relate to this, Mags. They're both, I find yoga and running so meditative and healing, but also um, so great for the mind as well and, and helping to calm the mind and really get into the body. And so both practices I've been incorporating for several years now to help myself really feel at home in my body and at peace in the mind and also help to balance, you know, a traditional nine to five work life um, because I think that that balance is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I also would say that they're really complementary. Like the running being so, um, I mean, obviously like a more intense, uh, at least for me, cardio and sweaty as opposed to mm-hmm. what my yoga practice is today, which is much more slow and relaxed mm-hmm. and yeah, like balancing you know, that yin and yang and really using the the running more as like the heat versus the yoga as like a way to, yeah, cool down. And I know that your yoga practice has also shifted. Like, I think when I met you, you were um, doing core power, right? 
Yeah, good memory. Yeah, I was, um, gosh, I was a member of Core Power in San Francisco for four or five years. Um, and you're totally right. My practice, um, well, let me take a step back because I actually started doing yoga as a complement to running at first, really as a way to help kind of you know, stretch a little bit and feel more open because running, you know, kind of naturally makes you super tight. Um, and so, <laughs> so I wanted to to find a good complement to that, as you mentioned. And so I started doing yoga and then I was like, wait, I love this practice. This is amazing. I feel like I'm getting stronger. Not only am I, you know, feeling more open and becoming more flexible, but, but also gaining quite a bit of strength. I was really loving those spicy power vinyasa flows that core power offered and still do. But my practice has shifted quite a bit. I mean, really, that started with my 200 hour uh, teacher training mm. back in 2021. And I can go into that a little bit if that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I got certified in 2021 in, you know, normal foundational 200 hour through a lovely boutique studio in Austin called Suka. What was really wonderful about that training was um, it was very spiritual training. And so we learned the Sanskrit words and we chanted and my teachers were very skilled harmonium musicians. And so they incorporated a lot of that mm. into the training. And my eyes were totally opened to the very spiritual side of yoga, which I absolutely fell in love with. And this was, you know, about a year into the pandemic. And I was kind of already on this journey of, you know, wanting to deepen my yoga practice, but also wanting to ensure that I was doing things for my body that felt the most comfortable and um, authentic to what my body was really asking for. So I was on this journey to really, you know, find practices um, or even hone into practices that were um, feeling the most right for me in, the, in that time. And so the spiritual yoga from Sukha and learning how to teach was amazing. And mm -hmm. um, I kind of took a mini break from running during that time. I was living in Austin and it was too hot to run, in my opinion, really <laughs> into yoga and loving it. And then when I moved back to San Francisco, I was kind of torn about my yoga practice and what I wanted it to be and what I wanted to offer as a new teacher. Um, and so I kind of now today I do teach um, a power vinyasa flow, which I do enjoy teaching, but I've also enjoyed teaching um, really restorative, more slow, gentle yin flows as well, which is mostly what I practice um, at home. Hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think you can teach a powerful, intense vinyasa while still incorporating the spirituality aspect into it, right? Yes. So that's really beautiful that you got that in your teacher training so that you can incorporate it in different aspects. And I find like, I also love, I practice a lot at Love Story. There is mm -hmm. one here in Larkspur. I'm sure you've seen the, yes. the one on Valencia and in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, and so I do love, cause they have a lot of that combination of like, it's a little bit warm. And so um, you have that like heat component. It's not, it's definitely not like Bikram hot yoga, um, mm -hmm. but it is a little warmed up. And it is pretty intense, like vinyasa. Um, and there's the chanting. All the teachers have like these beautiful singing voices that in vinyasa, I'm just like, I feel like I'm at a concert. <laughs> it's so pretty. Yeah. And it's so like, calming to the, to the heart. 
I don't know if you feel the same, like like laying in Shavasana or even sitting up and you're closing your eyes and you're chanting, like it feels so good. And there's, there's a lot of science that also backs up, like chanting is really good for the body. It feels good when you're really, you know, using your voice to express and and to make sound Mm -hmm. so good for you. And it feels so good. And when you actually know what the words mean and can really get behind the message. It's, it's so fun. It's so fun. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it too. And even at the beginning, I remember going to my first ever, I think it was back when it was still yoga tree, um, in San Francisco pre pandemic. I remember going to like one of the classes where there was chanting Mm -hmm. and it was also before doing a yoga teacher training. So I was very new to all of this and I was so intimidated by it, but then I was like, okay, I just need to like try to say what I'm understanding and hearing. And I found that even at that stage, when I didn't fully understand what it was meaning, just the like power of doing it together, I think was just so, yeah, it felt so healing. Yeah. Yeah. There's something really special about chanting in community um, and Mm -hmm. feeling like the vibrations and the reverberations in the room and yeah, I think it's it's one of the most healing things that you can do um, with other people. So I love that you got to experience that and, and have enjoyed it as well. Yeah, there is an aspect that I want to touch on. And that's actually, I think, prominent both in running and yoga. And it's the community aspect. Um, like we met in, even though they're very, I think, individual practices, we met in thanks to obviously a running club. There can be like a huge community component, you know, because you've done the race. Uh, I just finished the Napa to Sonoma half marathon. And that was just such a, again, like beautiful power of seeing all of these people come together and doing it regardless of like how fast or slow people are going, like everybody's just going together. And I know that you've done tons of halves. You've also ran marathons. Like talk to us about both maybe from a running and yoga perspective, what that community aspect is about. Yes. That's such a good um, topic. And I just think that running is so much more fun when done in community. You know, running is hard. It's not, it's not an easy sport necessarily. (laughs) Um, And especially if you're in a training mode, you're training for a half or a full or a triathlon, whatever it is um, to run with even one other person, I believe makes that run so much more enjoyable. Um, You have not only just the accountability of someone running with you, and also, you know, chit chat and catch up and you both know that you're in it together and you're like doing this really hard thing together. And there's something really beautiful about that. I have sought out running clubs in every city that I've lived in. Um, in San Francisco, I was part of the Lululemon clubs, Atlas Go, of course, um, Sports Basement, a handful others. And then now here in Los Angeles, where I live, um, I frequent a few down here, actually a Lululemon club in Pasadena, um, and then another one that's at a local brewery here in Pasadena. And it's just so much fun because you're with other like-minded people, people that want to run and be healthy, maintain, you know, a good level of fitness, but also, you know, are really enjoyable humans to be around, frankly. Um, And even those that are maybe a little bit more intense or maybe a bit faster, you know, (laughs) still they're so fun. And it's great to know that you're all in it together. Um, I think that's the best part. 
Yeah, for sure. I love that. I really like that you talked about the accountability piece because it can be so helpful. I remember training, I think my first half was 2016. And especially for the first one, it was so important to train with others because it can also be really scary. Like you don't know exactly how the race is going to go down. And then if you're able to train with somebody that then you do the race with, Mm -hmm. it's even if you don't run the whole thing together, but I find that community aspect beautiful. And I feel like post COVID, a lot of people are looking for community and I find that, yeah, running clubs and things like that can be a really good way. I think also yoga and a yoga studio can be a great way. I find that it's a little bit harder maybe because when you arrive in a yoga class, like if you don't know anybody, it can be super intimidating. Yeah. But I wonder if you, you found community through yoga. Yeah, that's a good question. I agree with you. It can be a little tricky within the yoga studio um, setting sometimes. I have found that just hanging out after class, chatting with the teacher is super fun. I've met a lot of yoga teachers who have turned friends just by doing that. And then here in LA, I have sought out a lot of the boutique studios. Um, I don't, mm. I don't go to Core Power as much anymore. I really love the, you know, the independently owned kind of boutique mom and pop owned shops that are mm. all over LA. There's so many amazing yoga studios in LA. And um, I think j- just putting yourself out there is really important. And, mm. um, you know, saying hello to the person next to you when you're, when you put your mat down before the class starts. Mm. I also love it when yoga teachers um, open their class saying, if you don't know the person next to you, say hi and introduce yourself. I try and do that with all of my classes when I remember. <laughs> it's such a good way to just make an acquaintance mm-hmm. you know, before you start flowing together. And I have found that in doing that, I've met some really cool people and I've actually done um, an 80 hour training at one of my studios here in LA called One Down Dog. Um, I did that training last fall, which was actually diving deeper into subtle body pranayama and um, chanting, which uh, I love, of course, as we just mentioned. And so that was wonderful just from taking classes and meeting teachers and really enjoying the folks that I met. There's lots of communities out there to be part of. um, And I think that putting yourself out there is a really important, good first step to, you know, to forming those communities. Yeah, for sure. Let's get a little deeper into um, the things and the learnings that you've had from yoga. So you obviously learned yoga first from core power and then went into, you know, this more spiritual um, path. Mm -hmm. What did you have to unlearn about yoga? Like what are some of the things that you, yeah, have also new things that you've learned that you uh, have connected with deeper? I know you're also deeply connected, as you said, to like some of the smaller yoga studios. Um, Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. There has been so much unlearning since doing my teacher training and being on this um, kind of different spiritual path of yoga. I would say one of the biggest unlearnings is that yoga is not just asana. Um, In fact, that's just Mm -hmm. one of the eight limbs of yoga. I think in our Western world, yoga tends to be very asana focused, very movement posture focused. And it's um, it can be viewed as more of a workout rather than um, this spiritual practice that encompasses so much more than that. So that was the first big learning for me. 
another big learning that kind of dovetails into that is, is the philosophical side of it and yoga's origins and the history and how it's this really beautiful ancient practice from thousands of years ago. There's so much um, fascinating history um, learnings from the old ancient yogic texts. Um, and so there's a lot to dive into there. And I'm slowly, you know, chipping away at all of that and reading, you know, the yoga sutras of Patanjali's on my bedside table and the Upanishads and all of these wonderful ancient texts. I think understanding yoga's history and where it comes from is super important as a teacher and as a practitioner, um, because I want to honor yoga's roots. I want to be a practitioner and a teacher that is really mindful of where did this practice come from? And am I using the words correctly and honoring, you know, where this practice originated from? I feel like some studios miss that oftentimes. Um, and I think it's really important to bring that in, um, especially if you're a teacher, to instruct your students and share um, and pay homage really to where, to where it all came from. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love the, yeah, just paying your respects to what the practice is. And, and I think reminding people, even if it's just a small thing as like at the end of a class, like reminding them, you know, you can take this off the mat. Like these are the ways, these are the little reminders, um, that it's not just about the poses. It's not just about this moment right here, but, how else can you incorporate it in your life? Um, I think it's so simple to include that at the end of a class. Yes. And it's really, yeah, much more about what yoga is about. And I personally came to yoga very much, I mean, from two angles. One, the part of me that needed to take care and find myself again. Um, I was really in a part of my life where I had very, very low confidence and self-esteem and yoga helped me come back to that of like, just, I practice a lot of manifestation yoga, just like saying like, I am confident I'm here. Like, yes. and then it became a lot about the poses. Like I remember doing a headstand was just such a confidence building for me. Like not from an aspect of like, look, everybody, this is what I'm doing, but just being like, oh my God, I can connect to the inner strength. And like, I have the core to like, push myself up in that way. And then came the part of like, okay, cool. These poses are awesome. Mm -hmm. But I feel like my yoga teacher training really taught me to go deeper into like, what does it mean? What is it outside of this mat? And I think a lot yeah. of people go to a teacher training to deepen their practice, not necessarily to teach as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I love that. I love what you just said, Magali. Like you, you really had such a journey and that's what yoga is. It is such a journey and it's a lifelong mm -hmm. process of just meeting yourself where you are and maybe unlocking, you know, the strength and flexibility to do these really beautiful poses along the way, which is great. And also you're still going to continue further on. That isn't, you know, mm -hmm. the end of the journey. Um, I don't know if the journey ever ends, actually, right? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> True. But being able to use the asana as a way to, to continue forward and mm -hmm. to be reminded of how strong you are and to be reminded of that really beautiful and strong connection of brain to body, mind to body. And how once those two are really kind of in tune with each other and aligned, awesome things can happen. Mm. 
Yeah, I love what you just said. I wonder if the way that you connected to yoga through your teacher training and took a little pause of running, like, did it change the way you came back to running? Yeah, definitely. I would say um, after I did my teacher training and was really in the yoga space for a while um, in 2021 and leaning into that and deepening that practice, when I ultimately came back to running, I found it to be at that point, um, or I really like consciously made it a more meditative practice for me. So what that looked like for me was I ditched the music and I really focused on my breath in all of my running. I started to kind of ditch music when I would do, you know, run clubs and stuff. Cause you're kind of chit chatting with folks yeah. <laughs> anyways, but, but for solo runs, um, I really allowed myself to just use the run as a form of moving meditation. And my mind just kind of now completely shuts off. I'm really not thinking about anything when I run. And it's kind of awesome because I can just run and have an awesome run and actually come back feeling refreshed and mm. with a clear mind. And it's great. And like the running without music thing, I feel like has really just helped me to just focus on the run, even though, you know, sometimes it's a little painful or a little warm outside. Um, and those things bring me back to like, oh, yeah, I'm running and I'm doing this hard thing. But I like not having the distraction of music because it allows the meditation to just flow more, more naturally. That's what I found at least yeah. For, for myself. Yeah. That's beautiful. I definitely still for some runs for the longer ones, definitely still like have music or listen. I actually listen to podcasts a lot okay. um, while I'm running as like a thing, but I love what you're saying of using it as a moving meditation. That's so beautiful. And yeah, how kind of yoga helped you get there. The other thing I found is, during this um, half, it was such a way of I, like, I could be much more present with mm -hmm. as opposed to in the past being like, oh, my God, I still have 10 miles to go. I still have seven miles to go. Yeah. Like instead just being like, I can do right here. Yeah. I feel like the mantras that we learned throughout the yoga practice of being present for me has translated into, oh, actually, like I can just take one more step and mm -hmm. go just a little bit further mm -hmm. and just do what I'm doing right now as opposed to kind of freaking out and preoccupying about what's coming. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, that's so true for me as well. Feeling the presence in the run. It's kind of incredible, really. I think the power of running to allow the mind to just shut off and your body's just doing the work and going through with it. And yeah, it's, it feels so good too. When you come back and you're like, oh, I just did that in that way. <laughs> And yeah, it's just something to be super proud of. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of um, things to be proud of, you are, um, you've had some challenges lately with running, but you're also training currently yes. um, for a big, big race. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah I'm super excited to be running um, the Berlin Marathon this year. Yes, I'm so excited. It's at the end of September. Um, it was a race that I was supposed to do actually in 2020. Of course, it got canceled. And so I'm finally doing it this year. Very excited. It's been a long time coming. I had raised money through a charity called Back on My Feet, which helps um, alleviate homelessness, helps lift people out of homelessness rather um, through the power of running. And so really excited to be um, working with them on this. And yeah, it, you know, 
honestly, it's been, it's been a bit of a trickier training cycle for me. This is my fifth marathon. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I was faced with something that a lot of women runners are told, which is that I had low iron. Um, I had my annual physical with routine blood work, uh, back in early June and, um, was told that my ferritin and iron levels were, uh, in quotes, dangerously low. (laughs) Um, and for context, you know, the average sedentary American is usually between 40 and 50 for ferritin. And for athletes, it's usually 50 plus 50 to 90 is like a pretty good range. Um, I was four at the ferritin level. So just oh my goodness. super, super low. <laughs> um, and so my running coach, Spencer, who I love, um, he was shocked. He was like, how have you not fallen over yet? Like, how are you standing up? <laughs> And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I actually feel okay, which was the, which was the weird thing. Like I felt mm-hmm. fine. Um, but my training just wasn't sticking. Like I was doing mm-hmm. workouts and working out in the gym and doing strength and doing all of the things that one would do leading up to a marathon, but didn't find that I was getting faster or getting stronger. And this was leading up to my last marathon, which was the Los Angeles marathon in March. So I think I had this low iron or this iron deficiency since the beginning of the year, but I didn't know until just a couple of weeks ago when I had my uh, blood work done. So um, I got on a plan to take iron supplements and increase my iron intake through nutrition. So eating a lot of red meat, oysters, beans, goji berries as well, surprisingly very high in iron as well as raisins. Um, so just trying to be really smart about my nutrition and had a two week follow-up blood work. And that came up quite a bit, which was really great. And then just had another blood work test this week. And now I'm back in the normal range. So, so I'm super excited about that, but it did put me back a little bit, just a couple weeks. Really. I halted my running for about two weeks um, during that Mm -hmm. period, but it is, it's, you know, a really common thing. So I I'm telling all of my running friends, don't forget to get your blood work done. It's super important, especially for women. Um, you know, we go through menstruation and other things that cause our iron levels to often be lower than that of our male counterparts. So yeah, I strongly encourage, uh, women, especially who are runners or who are athletes, you know, get your iron checked fairly regularly because it's, it's super important for our health and for our performance as athletes. Hmm. I'm so happy that you were able to, I mean, get that checked in that moment because especially like, it sounds like you just had it planned and it, and you didn't think that anything was going to go out of it. So I'm so glad that you were able to find it and then, um, that you're kind of back on track and I'm sure your body is like, you know, was able to rest and, and yeah. feel good from it and that you're going to come back even stronger. Yes. Thank you. So exciting. Uh, we'll be thinking about you and cheering you on in September. Yay. Um, <laughs> another um, aspect of, we've talked about obviously a lot of things from a physical health. You just mentioned nutrition and I know that holistic health is really kind of how you, the things that you live by. Um, But you've also incorporated a lot of things from a traditional Chinese medicine perspective, especially with the roots on your mom's side. Um, Can you talk to us about the 
different uh, traditional Chinese medicine practices that you incorporate, how it helps you feel more connected also to the Chinese side of your heritage? Yeah, absolutely. So, so just for some context, my mom is from Hong Kong. She was born and raised there. Um, and my dad is Italian and German and Irish and a lot of other European things. So um, <laughs> I'm half Chinese. And over the last, I would say, gosh, four to five years or so, I've been incorporating um, two modalities of TCM, which is cupping and acupuncture. And I love both modalities so much um, for the healing process overall, just in a general healing mm. sense, um, but also for recovery from, you know, intense workouts, whether that be track workouts or yoga workouts, both from a running and yoga perspective, incorporating both of those have been amazing. So cupping for those who might not know, um, it's you're basically taking these uh, glass or sometimes plastic suction cups, not you, your practitioner, and, and moving them around the body to help blood flow move around and, um, and really to bring more oxygen into the blood. And so you can do it, you know, on your back, on your legs, on your, um, on your low back, you know, all over the body, really. And um, I've primarily had cupping done on my, on my low back and my, uh, my upper back around my shoulders, um, mm -hmm. as well as my legs. You know, as a runner, we're, we're always, you know, <laughs> using our legs, of course, but also using the upper body and the arms to really propel the body forward. And on top of that, I sit at a desk all day and have, you know, a nine to five job. So um, sometimes the hunching can get can make the body feel a little sticky. So cupping has been wonderful um, to just kind of alleviate some some tension and, and just it feels really good. And then with acupuncture, um, acupuncture is something that I've that I have um, come back to. Um, and left for periods of time, but it's also just such a wonderful practice to allow en energy to flow through the body. And so I think with those two together, I, I feel like my body um, has been feeling like it's in the best, one of the best phases of its existence, this lovely vessel that mm -hmm. I'm in. And then one other thing that I've incorporated um, that I also really love is just body massage and deep tissue massage. Um, I am super fortunate to be able to see um, a practitioner here in LA who I just absolutely love. Um, her name is Walaya. She has a business called Gratitude Healing um, and she's fantastic. I've been seeing her about once a month for, gosh, I guess it's been about a year now. And she specializes in deep therapeutic body massage um, as well as energy healing. Mm -hmm. And so as I've been training for various races and doing a lot of yoga and teaching yoga, um, she has been my go-to um, for all of my body work needs. And I just think it's so important. It's important if you are able to, you know, give yourself the gift of a massage once a month or every couple of months if you can, because when you're putting yourself through a lot of that work, you know, all, all of your athletic endeavors to allow the body to just be flushed out um, and have the energy of a real, you know, human, not a Theragun, not a massage gun, but a real <laughs> person, it helps with the healing and the recovery process. And it will also keep you injury free. Um, so there's 
quite a few benefits. And of course it just feels amazing. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I had, um, I love that you mentioned that I went to see, um, my healer, Cindy, who she's mm-hmm. a Reiki practitioner. You know her cause yeah. you saw her, you met her and at she our was wedding. On the podcast. Love that episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so she also does shiatsu massage. And so I booked a session with her yesterday since it was the day after my half and Oh, it was just glorious. Yes. Like the best thing I ever did. <laughs> it's, so good. it's so great. I, I'm so glad that you did that. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to talk a little bit about you. You mentioned the nine to five, how yeah. like you obviously talked about the different things that you do for yourself in terms of running and yoga, but is there anything else? Like how, how do you kind of manage, first of all, having a nine to five and then teaching yoga and doing the other things on the side, um, but also just taking care of you. So I'll first start off by saying I'm, I'm super lucky and grateful to be able to work for myself um, at this moment in time. Um, I'm a consultant, so I work nine to five hours mostly um, since, you know, my clients are all, you know, they're companies and they're mostly working nine to five. Um, So I try and keep my work to that time as well. But I can, I can really work whenever I want, which is super nice. Sometimes if I'm in a mm. very productive mood, you know, after dinner, I'll open my laptop and do a writing project or something. But being able to set my own schedule um, has been wonderful because I can choose when to work throughout the day and when to train. So um, I'm able to kind of schedule my runs accordingly or go to yoga accordingly based on when I feel like it and when I have the availability Mm. and the time. Um, So I'm really grateful for that. When I was in a traditional nine to five, which I was for the last, you know, three years at a company, um, it was a little bit more difficult, you know, because you're kind Mm -hmm. of, you're, bound to your computer during certain hours of the day, um, or at least that's the expectation. Um, and so I've always kind of been an after work workout person. Um, I love my morning, mm-hmm. but I love to sleep. And so I'm not really a morning workout <laughs> person. Um, so when I was going into my office, um, I would do, you know, my run clubs after work or do an after work yoga class. Um, and kind of kept my, uh, kept my time to myself for really after work hours and on weekends. And that was great. You know, I definitely had to say no to some things after work because I really wanted to get in that me time for myself. But now that I am, um, now as a consultant able to, to build my own schedule, it's been, it's been really wonderful to actually do a run at 10 AM if I want to, and then start my work day and work until seven or eight. Um, sometimes that mm-hmm. works better for me. Um, and so that's been a huge blessing that I'm super grateful for. Yeah. I love that. Um, I heard this concept at an event I went to uh, a few weeks ago and she talked, this woman talked about rather than time management, energy management and yeah. how there's just some moments, right. Where you're like, I have so much energy and it might be like after dinner, actually, mm-hmm. I want to work for four hours. And mm-hmm. that's what I, what, what energetically I have. Mm-hmm. And then one morning you might be like, no, I need the morning off. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I hope eventually work will allow us even, you know, the bigger structures. Cause as you said, you're um, super grateful to be flexible. I'm the same Mm -hmm. right now. And I hope that it translates more into the rest of the working world, because I think we would be so much more productive that way. Yes. Yes. I agree. I love that. 
uh, I love that, that switch of time management to energy management. I think that's so great. That's so true too, because some days it, yeah, you just, you feel more productive at certain hours. And that's actually another interesting topic. We can maybe save that for another day, but that there's a lot of um, interesting stuff around your cycle and doing, um, doing, you know, your more creative or, you know, intensive, you know, work or writing or whatever work it is that you do during certain times of the month and also shifting your workouts to the certain times of the month, you know, whether they be more intensive or more mellow. Um, there's a lot in there too, that I think for women, especially, you know, it's so important to honor those feelings, those energy feelings, and maybe whether or not you tie it into your cycle, just being mindful of when you feel the most productive and you mm-hmm. know, doing work or, um, or a run or a yoga session, you know, kind of based on that, I think is really important. Yeah. I love that for this last training. I, it was the first time that I really did that because, mm-hmm. um, I hadn't done a race since 2019 and I learned so much more about just our cycle and hormones and how we're feeling in different moments in our cycle more recently, which is like, how did I learn this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, from like the age of 28 to 31 now, like, but I agree with you that it's changed a lot. Like before it'd be like, I, regardless of what day of the month it is, I have to get this run in. And then this time it was like, well, actually this isn't going to be a good run. Like I, this is not what I need. I need to switch it up. Yeah. And listening to your body when it's asking you to switch it up or even when it's asking you to rest, even if you have, mm-hmm. you know, a dedicated workout or a scheduled workout rather, or scheduled run, if you're like, you know, truly my body and my heart are saying, let me just rest today. You will perform much better because of that. Your body will, will, will be better because of that. Um, and I think it's so important to listen to your body, um, and mm-hmm. honor each day and, and take each day, you know, as it comes. Mm-hmm. For sure. I love it. Sarah, this has been such a beautiful conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to share it out with the world. Before we get into our rapid fire, um, tell us what you're excited about this year and also where can people find you? We'll add all the links in the show notes too, but just if somebody's listening and they're kind of wanting to reach out. Yes, absolutely. Um, please reach out. I would love to connect with any listeners. Um, I am just Sarah flows underscore on Instagram and things that I'm excited about this year. Of course, the Berlin marathon, it's coming up at the end of September. I'm really excited. Um, I'm in the peak of my marathon training right now. And I also have a few upcoming yoga events that I'm super excited about. We, I, we didn't get to touch on this a ton during the episode, but, um, something that I've done this year, I've been a little bit more plugged into the local herbalism community here in Los Angeles, um, and specifically have became really wonderful friends with, um, a woman named Rose who has a group called plant friends. She is a certified California naturalist and herbalist and educator and, um, She leads people on plant walks through local parks here in LA and shares knowledge about local flora and fauna and their medicinal uses and how they can be harvested sustainably and ethically and what they can be used for, whether that be food or medicine. And so we had an event in May where I taught a yoga class and she led the group on a plant walk and we have one more coming up this Saturday, July 22nd. So for any Los Angeles 
listeners, if you um, would like to join, that would be so fun. Um, it's on on my Instagram page. You can check out the link. Um, we'll also have another one in August. And we're also planning um, a gentle uh, yin yoga and medicinal tea series um, going into the fall. So hmm. please connect That's so on cool. Instagram. I'd love to, to chat with you folks. That, that sounds amazing. The combination of what you two have to offer um, sounds really, really exciting. Yeah, I'm super excited. It's been really fun. I love it. All right, let's get into the rapid fire. Um, the first question is, how do you unlock your vitality these days? Oh, number one, rest. <laughs> rest when I need it. Even if it's in the middle of the day, like a laying on the couch for 20 minutes and just closing my eyes. Rest is so important. Um, and I didn't really do it a lot in my 20s, really at all. <laughs> and so now I'm giving myself uh, the gift of rest. That's number one. Number two, I would say um, just honoring my body and whatever it's feeling in any moment, kind of dovetailing into the, the idea of rest. But, you know, eating when I'm hungry and drinking lots of water and um, practicing, you know, what feels good with intuitive movement when I get on my mat or when I'm, you know, out on the trails or the road in a run, really trying to stay as in tune with my body as I can. Mm, I love that. Rest, so important. The next one is, what are you saying no to these days? I am saying no to, it sounds so basic, but saying no to things that I truly like don't want to do. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I think so much of my early twenties into my, um, all of my twenties, really, I would say yes to going to events or things or, you know, hanging out with whoever, you know, even if I didn't really feel like I didn't really want to in that moment, I was really tired or whatever the reason. Um, but I didn't want to upset that person or I didn't want to let anyone down or disappoint anyone. And so I'm in the season of life or if it's not a really resounding yes, then it's a no. And, um, and mm. that's actually more things than I, than I thought <laughs> as of late. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I mean, it's, you said, I think it's, it's like foundational. And I think so many of us, especially women don't do that. That's why I put this question in there just because I think it's such a little like ping every week to like help people remember, Hey, are you, is there something you need to say no to? So yeah. I love that. Yeah. The next one, you already mentioned one of the books, but what is on your nightstand? Ooh, yes. Yeah. So I have, um, I have the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, as I mentioned. Um, I also have Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. I love that um, book. I've read that book a handful of times, and I just love it so much. I think it's beautiful. So oftentimes I'll just open it up and read a couple pages. Her writing is amazing, and the topic is amazing. Um, so uh, that is on my nightstand. And then um, I also have a novel. Um, it's called Castaway Mountain. It's um, a love story that takes place in India. So um, I'm in the middle of it. It's very good. <laughs> Fun. I love Breeding Sweetgrass. It's such a beautiful book. I love that you mentioned that. So, so beautiful. So the next one is, if you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? I think it would be trust yourself first. Hmm. It can be very easy to 
be faced with a decision or be contemplating something and maybe asking others for opinion or asking your parents or your partner, getting a lot of, you know, feedback or opinions. But most often, more often than not, you know the answer or you have the power uh, in you to uncover the answer within you. You most of the time will know it deep down. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it might just take some meditation, some sitting or laying and allowing the voices to quiet to, to hear what it is that your body or your mind is trying to say. And I would say, trust that voice. It is always, always right. And it will never lead you astray. Mm, that was so beautiful. I love that. Thank you. The last one is you talked about a tons of things you already do, but what's one healthy habit that um, is a part of your daily routine that makes a big difference to your life? Getting sufficient sleep. <laughs> um, I am, I have been a night owl in the past, much of my like teenage years into my twenties. Um, I love to stay up late and like, you know, watch a TV episode before going to bed. I don't do that anymore. At least my fiance and I have a thing, you know, Monday through Thursday, we're not watching TV during the weekday, but Friday and or it's really Sunday to Thursday, Friday and Saturday are okay. So that we can have that hour back to just sleep and, re- and mm. rest. Um, I love I'm that. very particular about my minimum seven hours, ideally eight. But if I get, you know, seven to eight hours, I feel so good. Um, mm-hmm. and this is after, you know, a decade of getting like six ish at most hours of sleep. Um, and that has been huge. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for being on this episode. It was beautiful to share this moment with you and I can't wait for everybody to listen. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. I can't believe it's over already. It went by so fast. (laughs) I know we could be here for hours. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for listening and see you next week.